Welcome back to the Divine Hour. We're your hosts, Beloved. And Boogie B. Today's episode focuses on mental health, mental illness, awareness. That's what we're talking about today. Before we get started, I want to make sure we say that we're not licensed professionals we're not doctors not at all we're just people who discuss discuss the life life experiences with that being said we can go into how mental health has directly affected us individually and then we'll get into a little bit about our family Ladies first. For me, individually, mental health has affected me or, yes, affected me in multiple ways. The first way I'll speak about is, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. They're just probably not sure exactly what it is. And that would be anxiety. Sometimes I suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. And anxiety normally stems from real life, everyday factors like health, finances, family, things of that sort. These are normal things to feel anxious about. But for some people with generalized anxiety disorder, such as myself, the level of anxiety is hugely out of proportion to the cause of the problem. People with generalized anxiety disorder excessively worry about things that are not in their control, if I had to explain it. Okay. They're anxious about a number of events and have difficulty controlling such worry to the point that it impacts their lives. People with this type of anxiety also develop symptoms like fatigue, tense muscles, difficulty sleeping, and concentrating. I know for me, some of my triggers is just being overwhelmed. And I would say it stemmed from childhood with the pressure. And we talked about that a little bit in another episode. So tune into that if you want to hear about childhood parenting. But if I had to say, and from therapy also, I've noticed that me being overwhelmed and how my anxiety kicks into full gear when I'm mainly overwhelmed. And it's not that I can't handle it. It's just overthinking it. I overanalyze it to like the 10th power. Whereas someone who doesn't suffer from generalized anxiety disorder will only be at maybe the second power. So to go from the second power to the 10th power is a lot. It's a lot. But I'm happy that I know what it is. 
so I can use different methods. Well, I, the ones that I know work for me. Um, one bin meditation. It helps a lot. And also my husband. I don't think he fully knows, but he has been a cure for a very long time. Oh. Even before I knew what I was going through. Like I remember when we were dating and we, we yeah, we were dating and I had locked myself out of the car. Oh yeah. And <laughs> or even like when I would get into, I was in an accident and I only had like my learners. I didn't have the license and I wasn't sure what to do. And I remember calling you like you was the first person I called. Yeah. And it wasn't because I knew you knew what to do because I could have just called my father. Exactly. I could have called my mother. Yeah. It wasn't that. It's like. I feel relaxed, like a sense of calmness if I tell you what happened or if I'm in your presence or even over the you do it over the phone too. Yeah. Like if I'm having just a rough moment, if I call you, it's better. It, it, it's, it eases away. It lets up a bit. So you have always been that for me. I'm glad. I'm glad I was there for you when you needed me. Thank you. Um, most people with generalized anxiety disorder worry about everything and nothing in particular, if that makes sense. And the reason being is, like I said, it's normally things that are like out of our control or it's not happening right in that moment. Like I literally plan weeks before. Like I know what I have to do September, 29th I know what I have to do September 26th I know these things and nothing can get in the way of that plan because in my head it has to happen like that and I used to think it was like a sense of control but it's control of my anxiety so that I don't have that moment not controlling of another person or every situation it's control for me so that I can protect my peace, protect my energy, protect my anxiety, because that is a thing. Um, meditation, I started, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. Obviously I have kids, moms can relate to this. We spend a lot of time in the bathroom. That is like our safe haven. The Mecca. <laughs> when we get a house though I'm going to have a library that's going to be my safe haven I want a library I read a lot so I want I want that I'm going to do that like men have their men caves <laughs> I'm going to have a library but sadness to say I started meditation been in the bathroom one day on YouTube no first I was on Pandora and I ran across a meditation station and I noticed that it was common. It was nice. I did feel a sense of relaxation. And I wanted that feeling all the time. So I went on YouTube and I started doing beginner's meditation. And basically what meditation is, is a reset for me. I get to 
start over. Maybe not the day, but in that moment, I get to correct whatever it is I see fit. I get to do it again. So that's how I use meditation. And I do suffer from anxiety, but I'm working on it. Yeah, day by day. I'm working on it. And I'm in control of it. Anxiety don't have me. I have it. That's right. Would you like to guess? Yeah, we'll take a stab at it. Um, I'm going to start off with this uh, scripture from the Bible. My mother used to always say this to us as kids. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Uh, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So, with that being said, um, I grew up being undiagnosed with any issues, but I knew I was different. You know, I, I just, it was a vibe I felt when certain things happened. Um, I had terrible anxiety as a child, you know, after losing, losing my father and my brother was murdered, you know. I was in class breaking down emotionally a lot. My teachers didn't understand what was really going on, but I just couldn't control my emotions. I was crying a lot at school. They called my mother day in and day out. She had a job, you know, she had a couple of jobs at that point in time that she had to attend to in order to pay the bills for us. She was a single parent. I was just trying to keep it together, but I couldn't keep my mind off what was going on at that point in time in my life. So it had me heavily distracted in school. I didn't really know the ramifications of anxiety and how imperative it was to learn about it because I was a child, you know. I felt like had I had a little bit more help from somebody else or if my mother had more time, I probably could have done more. But I am proud of what I did do while I was at school at that point in time of my life because I had good grades. I eventually learned how to control it and learn how to have fun with my peers. But it wasn't just anxiety that had me where I was at. I was in a, a deep depression also. Within a deep depression, I remember it being 90 degrees and I'm wearing a coat carrying my book bag with about eight books in there up 7th Street on the way home. Really wanted, really wanted to be isolated. Didn't want to be bothered with nobody. My father died, so I didn't accept nobody else to step in the position for my father passing. So it was really a lot of lonely moments. Like I might have been in a classroom full of my peers, but I wasn't there. Yeah, I could do the work and I was getting great grades, but I couldn't, I wasn't social. I wasn't social at all through that. 
So you got anxiety on one hand, you got a deep depression on the other. And I still had touches of other things that I fully don't understand, but I talk to my wife all the time and she helped me to understand stuff that's happened to me today that I didn't realize even to today, you know. Uh, we'll get a little bit more to stuff that's happening today when we start talking about our family that we can linger it on and make the connection with me also. Okay. Um, one thing I want to say about depression is it's not a one-size-fit-all illness. And I think people misconstrue that. Basically, it takes many forms. And no two people, depression stem from the same thing and reacts the same way. Everybody handles thing, things, depression, grief, things of that nature differently. And it's not, depression definitely isn't one of those things that you can just snap out of. It, it takes a lot of work to get out of that. It's a it's a day-to-day -day fight. You could come out of it for a while and a soul could put you right back in it again. Everyone's experience and treatment is definitely different. You could be a, a glutton towards listening to those songs that put you in a depression. I know I was. Because you may feel like that is the safest place to be. It feels familiar. It took me a long time to understand it, to even stay away, to stare away from listening to those type of songs that do affect my depression. The reason we're doing this episode is to bring awareness. There's a lot of people that I know, that you know, that my husband know also, that are in denial, undiagnosed, miseducated, misdiagnosed, or just plain lack of knowledge. Some people don't know what to look for. Some people don't know that, hey, that's connected to this or that's connected to that. They, they just are unaware. This conversation is to bring awareness. This conversation should make you look at the people to the left, right, and in the mirror. And just to acknowledge those things and treat people accordingly. I think a lot of people have the fear of not knowing going on in their lifestyles. They don't they they say to themselves, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, where, where could it lead if I step out off that ledge of being depressed or having anxiety or autism, you know? And, you know, a lot of people, I know I've ran into a few people that not only go into the denial stage, but they go into that, I don't want to be labeled. Don't put a label on me. I'm already labeled as this, so I'm already labeled as that. Don't put that on me either. For me... I see it as less of a struggle. I see it as an answer. It, it really put things into perspective when you are diagnosed and you know what you're working with. There are many, many of people, plenty of people walking around undiagnosed and they're schizophrenic. They're um, ADHD, ADD. 
It is so bipolar disorder. It's so many different illnesses out here. So many. I have read something saying that New York was going to start doing evaluations, mental evaluations, starting from elementary school. And kids in elementary school or in school period from K through 12 have um, IEPs, which is an individual education plan. And when you get to when you exhaust your IEP, you go into a 504. So you still get some support, but not as much as you deal with an IEP. I personally believe every child needs an IEP. No two kids learn the same. No two teachers teach the same. It's just less of a struggle. If every child had an IEP, they can receive all the support that they need. When I was in school, these kids that I'm talking about with the IEPs, the 504s, my peers used to joke about it. They made fun of it. They bullied them only because they did not understand it. With that being said, it was called special ed. And if you was in special ed, you was retarded. Kids that cannot function will not be in the same school as you. You're not retarded if you're allowed to go to that school. Special education means you get special treatment. What has it ever been wrong to get special treatment? I want special treatment. I want somebody to give me a little extra time on my test because math ain't my strong suit. I, I, I want a calculator. I want to use scratch paper for the things that they think I'm supposed to know because my neighbor knows it or because my peers know it, know it offhand don't mean I'm going to figure it out that way. It's, it's definitely a society thing. Perception <coughs> and lack of knowledge because I think if people understood, they would be a lot more open to it. And, and most definitely, when you speak of errors... They'll write you off quick for, for special education. and But not realizing because you in special ed, you got a better chance at making it. Yeah. Because you getting the support that you need. At all times. You getting all the tools that you need because you or your parent advocated for you. And you, and you get a little mentor too. Like, and you getting yeah. whatever it is you need. Because we didn't know the reason why the kids acted out in our in our classes or even in our communities. But we did see them get help at school. It was like he he moving totally different. Them eight hours with that special education teacher was was affecting his lifestyle. It, it made him want to do more. It made him want to learn more. It made him want to interpret being a friend different because I don't think those kids really wanted to be bullies, you know, who ended up, you know, that's the word we got to, we got to quote, quote, unquote, call it now, because in my era, that was another topic in itself, um, bullying, bullying, it It wasn't a thing, Yeah, you was a sucker or you was going to handle your business, Yeah, that's what it was, you either stand up for yourself or you get knocked down, Yeah, and that is unfortunate because I know for me I was one of them kids I didn't want to fight it wasn't that I couldn't fight yeah I didn't want to I came to school to learn yeah I, I didn't come to school for that and your parent your single parent folks that low paying bills and they ask, and they gotta go to work they might be working two jobs but they gotta come up school because it's issues happening 
with another child who's who's struggling with their mental health you know mm -hmm. and i think that's a, a that's the link to behavior issues in school yeah i'm I, diagnosed i I'm totally that if they had the tools and support they needed you have no room to act out or misbehave because you're learning there you go and if it was easy for you or you didn't have to struggle who doesn't want to learn because uh, i really i really when, when i read that article about new york giving up those evaluations that was mega man that was real worldwide internationally everywhere that was mega is needed for these kids to succeed to be successful they need it you set them up for success in elementary in the beginning yeah and i i really didn't like those environments where you say people get advantaged to and you didn't under, and i didn't understand why why did that guy who was heading over to special education now with advantage take a dude who was really getting good grades at school mm -hmm. and then there are some people that are they'll drop out because I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be bullied, but my mom spoke up and now I'm in special education or they was going to hold me back. And the only way I was able to move forward with no child left behind is if I had special education or IEP or evaluation. The stigma against special education is horrible. And we got to do a better job as parents, as community activists, we just all around. We we have to explain to our kids what it means to be in special education. We really gotta educate, period. Educate and have full awareness about these topics. This is the this is the time, this is the era to have it. Uh we don't have the same exact afflictions from the crack epidemic as before, even though some of that is still lingering, but it's back to the highest level as it was before. So we can actually have these conversations and create a better environment for a our kids. A safe environment yeah. for all kids. Yeah. They need to feel safe so that they can share their needs and wants. They can't be fulfilled properly because somebody's going to laugh at me. Somebody's going to make fun of me. Exactly. And that's not fair when we should be helping each other. Kids should help each other. Most kids learn faster from their oh, peers kids, than they would yeah. from an adult. Yeah. But I can't speak to my peer and say, hey, can you show me how you did that so fast? Yeah. Because they're going to laugh at me. I'm telling you. That's funny. You should have known that. You wasn't paying attention. No, I was paying attention. I didn't get it from the teacher. I really, I really, I really want to approach this. And I had this on my mind as you was talking, beloved. What are the signs that you've noticed that, you know, that basically somebody with mental health is crying out, you know, a cry for help? I know for a kid is behavioral. Okay. Is excessive behavior. You ever seen like a kid that gets in trouble all the time and they're still doing it? Yeah. That's a silent cry for help. Okay. I've noticed that. You ever seen an adult make the same mistake multiple times? Yeah. That's an illness. Yeah. Something didn't register. Because automatically, especially when I was a child, I know for me, if I got popped for doing something, I had to then 
evaluate why, why did I get popped for that what part of that was wrong if I can't process that correctly I'm going to continue to do it I, I, I didn't I didn't get that that didn't process correctly I, I need to do that again yeah. and hopefully that time they tell me what I did yeah hopefully that time they tell me what I wasn't supposed to do yeah and no I get popped again okay maybe the next time no then I do it again and now I have a behavior issue but I don't know that all I know is I get attention when I do this yeah. I know somebody is paying attention to me when I do this whether it be disciplined physically mentally verbally yeah. I'm getting attention when I do that yeah so hey I'm gonna do that that that's that's a sickness that is that is mental illness okay that it stems from something and you want me to pay attention what should I be paying attention to because just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean you're not capable of learning it just means you learn different it's that you just gotta Who, figure out you gotta figure it out yeah as long as you got on your mind your mind never to give up you can figure it out but it helps as a child as Adults, as a human being, to have that support, to have a, your own personal cheerleader, whether it be your parent, your significant other, or a friend, you need those things. Most definitely. Everybody need those things. Okay. We can get into a little bit about autism. Our child has autism. And I said he has autism. Autism does not have him either. And I want to make this note. Mental illness is not a weakness. It's not. It's, it does not mean that you're weak. You can't do this or you can't do that. It just means you do it differently. That's all it means. I know for... And when you meet one child with autism, you meet one child with autism. What that means is no two kids or no two adults, no two people that have autism has it the same. True. They may have similar traits, but it's not the same. And for our household, it's in sensory sensitivity and social. Some signs of autism to look for is poor eye contact, repetitive movements, constant noise effects, things of that nature, sometimes nonverbal, sometimes verbal. I know for us and everybody that I met that has autism, they feel real intense emotions. All of their emotions are heightened. They can't identify their emotions either. Routine helps them. They can't control the meltdowns. And it's not considered a tantrum. So if you see maybe a kid out in public at the mall, movies, anywhere like that. And you see, you may think that they're throwing a tantrum and you may say, well... Their mom needs to beat them or whatever the case may be. You may say that, but you don't realize that that child may have autism. 
that child is not having a tantrum. They're having a meltdown because something within their motor skills has been thrown off. They don't have any control of that. So like things like alarm sounds, um, certain music levels being too loud or what is at a normal rate for some people or a party rate for some people is too loud for them and they can't handle it and it causes that meltdown. There are three levels of autism, but it's a spectrum. So it goes into Asperger's and things like that. But the autism level is broken into three different levels. So you have just the minor breakdown of ASD level one, level two, level three. Level three being nonverbal and needing a lot of support. Level two can be nonverbal and sometimes verbal. These children or adults sometimes use ASL to speak because it's most comfortable. They need some support, not as much as a level three. Level one, I don't really like using the word mild anymore but it's verbal and not as much support as either of the other two levels. All three levels of autism are capable of learning. As far as I know, there is no cure for autism, but it can be improved. Autism can be, is you can work with it. You, you can create routine. You just have to make whoever that person is comfortable. They have to be comfortable. If a child or an adult is uncomfortable, even without autism, you're not going to get a positive reaction. You're going to get a negative reaction regardless. So they should be treated as human beings. They don't like to be treated differently. Some have to be treated differently, obviously, because they receive information differently. That's it. And our house, with it being, so, it's more on the social side now. So our child, may not feel as comfortable as another child to initiate playing with another child or starting a conversation or just walking up to a kid and saying, hey, you want to play basketball with me? Yeah. That is difficult. Even just knowing when a person is sad and what it is that they need, our child struggle with that sometimes. Not as much as before because he receives all the support that he needs. It's been five years since he was diagnosed. He was diagnosed at five years old. So we've been supporting and receiving a lot of support for five years now. 
I've even had some people say, oh, I forgot he had autism. <laughs> that just means we're doing a great job. That's a compliment. And we take that. It helps not to mask children with autism emotions or their stemming. And stemming means that they may flop their hands or they may tap their feet. Um, they may move their head from side to side. It's when they move in their body parts in the same direction or opposite directions, but consistently. It helps them calm down just as a baby and a pacifier. It's a common method for them. So that's what stemming is. That's what I have for autism. <laughs> but if you're wondering, do my child have autism? Do my friend have autism? Do I have autism? Those are some things to look at. And all it means is their brain process things differently. They hear everything. And before they can even answer one question, they're hearing another one. Because you didn't give them time to process it and answer. You just have to be extremely patient. You um, gotta be patient. Yeah, and I think at this point, we need to go into the the, the, the step of denial, you know? Um, you know, when, when we first found out our son was autistic, I think in that moment, for me at that point in time, I was still at a at another space in my life. Hearing your child is autistic, it reminded me of that moment when they say to you, your child need help in school and where you wanted to where you wanted them to go to special ed. We were conditioned at that point in time in our life to really look down on it because we didn't feel like they were gonna get the proper support as opposed to how charter schools are doing now. Charter schools have really made it susceptible to reach out for their help. Because as long as you know what you need help in and you know how to use the tools they have, your child can be successful. I'm a I'm gonna live a testimony of that. I can't say that I was the most open person towards that situation. That was our son. And not knowing about it really put me in another place of of fear, of dread. Uh, I'm upset I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand it I'm trying to put it together all while my wife was going through the process of getting them diagnosed it's a moment I wish I could take back because we always have the conversation and I don't never want her to go through nothing that I couldn't have been there with through, my son, through finding out my son was autistic he made me start looking at myself how things were going in my life, how I how how I interpret things. Sometimes you don't know that you interpreted things different than other people until somebody tell you. I have my siblings telling me 
you know that ain't right or I'm interpreting things different. I have my my wife telling me that you'll try to throw a little different, but I was sitting with it all and trying to figure it out. And when they told me that my son was autistic, like I said, my first state, my first phase was being in denial and not accepting it. But as time went along and I started watching how he progressed, I was so proud because in his era, in 20, 2015, he had support and it was the proper support. It was healthy. Whereas in my era, it was very toxic for that type of support. So, of course, I frowned upon it off my first hearing of that particular situation. Do you think you frowned upon it or was choosing, not choosing, but going into the path and being in denial due to lack of knowledge of what autism was or how the process would go? Just how he would be overall treated. Yeah, I, all of that. Was it fear of how he would be treated? Yeah, yeah. All of that. I had fear of being labeled. You know, my, my, my error was different than his error. Being labeled didn't give you... It took away opportunities from you. They were already, they were already trying to create reasons to take opportunities from you already. Being... African-American male or female so to actually now have that stigma come around again first thing you think oh no not my child I'm not I'm not subscribing to that definitely life is at the power of the tongue you know I'm 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 giving all the things I was taught yeah even the people that said oh we don't we don't speak that we, we we pray for stuff like that. We pray that away, and the reality is, prayer not in that classroom. It ain't going nowhere. Prayer, prayer ain't on that dry erase board or it the chalkboard. Nowhere. It's not there. So you might as well get your tools ready, because just like death and life are in the power of the tongue. You so are decisions you make. Exactly. I, I I almost compared what you just said in my head to war. Yeah, when people sign up to fight for their country, they know it's a possibility that they probably gonna die. Yeah. But that don't mean I don't scrap up with the tools that I need to make it back home. I'm still gonna take my rifle. I'm still gonna take everything that is that I need. I, I'm gonna get my grenades. I'm, I'm gonna get all the tools I need to possibly make it through. You call it good because... That, that's, in my head, when you just said that, yeah. war came to mind. Yeah. Just because I'm going to war don't mean I'm going to go out there and just die. Oh, I'm not, about to, no. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not about to just lay down on the ground and say he got like this. He got <laughs> Faith without work is yes. dead. Yes. That's what I wanted to say. Yes. Faith without work is you dead. You got to put it in the work, man. You got to invest time. In your kids, in your family, you really got to pay attention. You really got to pay attention. I, I know that when we decided to have kids, when I decided to have kids, that my number one job was 
to not let them struggle. Even when they become adults, if I can help in any way, you ain't got to go through that. If I can climb that obstacle course for you, baby, you ain't got to worry about doing it because I'm going to do it. You got your own battles as a human being, as an adult, as a kid that you got to go through. So if you got somebody that's going to hold your hand and do it with you or do it for you, why not? I don't believe that kids have to struggle. I don't. They're kids. I do believe that kids stress due to peer pressure, bullying, just wanting to fit in, wanting to do things right, not wanting to disappoint. So many different things. They stress. I remember being a kid and adults always saying, oh, you ain't got no nerves. Oh, you ain't got no reason to be stressing. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure out here, man. Even as a kid, they deserve mental breaks too. They, they, deserve, they deserve some type of release, some form of release. And as a parent, as an adult, if you can give that to a child, you've made their life a little easier. Exactly. Kids deserve to be kids. Let them have fun. And listen to them. Kids got something to say. Yes. Listen to them. Stop telling them to be quiet at certain moments. Yeah, every time ain't the right time to talk. But kids will tell you exactly what they're going through and how they're getting through it. And if they can't get through it, they're going to tell you that too. Exactly. Even there are kids that tell you without saying a word. It's in their actions. Exactly. It's in their kids change in so many different phases of their life. If you know your child, you will see them go through each one of them phases. You're going to see it. They're going to show it to you in their actions, in everything that they do. Their routine changed, the way they walk, the way they talk. All of that changed. That, that ain't just puberty. That's life for them. That is Definitely. life for them. You got to talk to your kids, man. A lot of kids committing suicide at a younger and younger age. Yep. This this episode right here could go on and on. On and on. Don't miss it. Don't, talk, don't miss your kids crying out. Don't miss that. Talk to them babies. Talk to them kids. Even them teenagers. Even them adult kids. Yeah, your kids not babysitters either. Give them a chance to be kids. Let them get to run around and make their mistakes as children. Even when they get older. I've heard some older people say, you know, once my child leave my house, that's it. No, that's not it over here. Yeah. I'm still invested in my children, even once that happened. And I know some people going to say, you say that now because they 10 and 7. I'm going to say that then too. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to say that then too. Yeah. I'm going all the way with this one. You better believe that. If you have any questions regarding any of the mental illnesses that we've named, feel free to comment, email us, ask us questions. We're always willing to help. And again, we're not doctors nor licensed professionals, but we are experienced. Definitely. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Yes. This one was super personal. Yes. And we gonna end this one with the quote of the week. When you've reached the end of your rope, tie a knot and, and hang hold on. on.
That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> Don't give up, y'all. Let's keep fighting. Tune in next week. Thank y'all.